damn it, how long have we been doing this show? You're listening to The Wrestling Life on iTunes, SoundCloud, and at obpapparel.com. everybody it's the wrestling life it's episode 171 it is september the 20th 2018 i'm ethan and i'm liam liam there's so much to talk about and so many things we can't talk about where should we start here Shawn michaels is coming out of retirement oh that minor nugget you want to start there (laughs) yeah i'm gonna go ahead and start there (laughs) all right well Shawn michaels is coming out of retirement for a tag team match against Kane. <laughs> That's right. That's right, by God. We're we're gonna get this set up. It turns out this big this thing they've been pushing for like eight weeks on television, uh, the Triple H Undertaker last time ever, is uh it's just a little setup for the real big last time ever attitude era match at uh, at the Saudi show. Dear Lord. So the last time we did a show two weeks ago, I was suggesting that it was going to be a three-way with Sean <laughs> Undertaker and Triple H. Correct. But at the time, the, the Saudi event, uh, Crown Jewel, had not been confirmed. or We suspected it was happening, but that it might not stream. But yes. now that thing is streaming now. Shawn Michaels is wrestling on the show. Brock Lesnar is wrestling on the show because <laughs> there's so much money. <laughs> yeah. All, all of the all of the stars from the last two decades that can still even remotely go are going to come and get a million dollar payday. And if that if they're not alive anymore, we'll just get somebody that kind of looks like them, oh, like that sumo wrestler at the Great Rumble, because <laughs> the guy wanted Yokozuna. I mean, do we want to go into this very problematic Saudi show? I don't know that we're going to break any new ground, but it's I mean, we can we can pretty point problematic. Out- yeah, we can point out the obvious. Uh, they're doing it three days after the women's uh, show. Is that right? Like three or four days? Yes. Well, that timing isn't... Uh... <laughs> Look, if I were a cynical man, <laughs> I would suggest that uh, this was done uh, to perhaps supplement uh, bad PR they'll be getting for running a second show in a country. And not that's the other thing, too. And I think a lot of people make this point, so we don't have to hang on it too much. It's not so much that they're doing a show in the country. That, I mean, that's scummy enough. They ran propaganda for the country, a country where a man was arrested last week for having breakfast with a woman who wasn't his wife in public. That's a thing that happened in that country. Like, this is a country where gay people are executed. This is not a good place. But WWE went there and pretended it was and ran a five-minute tourism video saying that it was that is a different level of scummy beyond we took some money and we put on a big house show there which as uh, my good friend lita has mentioned in interviews your corporation don't pretend that you're not 
the thing that corporations do is grab as much money as they can. That's why you're doing what you're doing. You don't have to pretend to be altruistic about it. And the propaganda is another level. But hey, do you think Corey Graves is going to work that show? I bet he will. You think he's going to post anything catty on social media after? Oh, one can only hope. <laughs> one can only hope, you know. Hashtag resist. <laughs> so, Saudi Arabia, Shawn Michaels, Kane. <laughs> <laughs> Triple How do you H. feel about that? How do you feel about your favorite wrestler of all time coming out of retirement after 10 years to wrestle your least favorite wrestler of all time? You know, um, I thought that Sean's last match on television was against Kane. Oh, that's right. Which, you know, I don't know what those two have in common other than they are roughly the same age. You know what I mean? I bet they have similar political beliefs. Well, that's probably true. <laughs> Hey, Kane is at least getting like a hundred thousand dollar donation for his local school district uh, as as a result of this. So, well, there you go. I guess there's some minor tangential goods come out of this. I, I don't know, man. Sure. I, I'm, I'm, I really thought that Sean. It's been so long. I really thought the retirement was going to stick. Yeah, <laughs> it's been almost. Uh, nine years. And I, think, I think maybe he thought it too, but <laughs> I mean, if it's to be believed what's being reported, and I have no reason to believe it's not, uh, I mean, he's making upwards of a million dollars for one tag match. Like, maybe yeah. much more than a million dollars for one tag match. So, I mean, how do you, I guess, how do you turn that down if you're a man with, you know, a family, I guess. I don't know. I'm not trying to turn anybody into a hero for agreeing to go wrestle a, a tag team match in Saudi Arabia. But yeah, I if I think that's he always said that he would only come back if he felt there was a like a unique story to tell. I'm not exactly sure what unique story uh, they're telling by doing Triple H versus The Undertaker for the 436th time. But uh, I guess the unique part is the payoff. Yeah. Well, it's easy. It's nice to be reminded once in a while what this business is really about. <laughs> yeah. And that's that's the long and short of it. Brock Lesnar's back on a related note. He sure is. He returned at Hell in a Cell. He ripped the door off the cell, much like Kane 20 years ago, 21 years ago. It had much less impact. The crowd was into it uh, until the main event of Hell in a Cell ended in a no contest. <laughs> that was a very Hell in a Cell was a very WCW show. Absolutely. It was a very good undercard and a preposterously overbooked main event. Why did Seth Rollins and Dossigor do run ins only to climb the cage <laughs> and dive off for no reason? <laughs> because. Uh, that's what Shawn Michaels did in the first Hell in a Cell, and people don't understand why, pe why people did things. They just want to repeat those same spots. So, they did that. Here's, there's a, I mean, there are a lot of problems with Hell in a Cell in 2018. To me, the biggest problem now is that stupid Shane McMahon <laughs> ha 
has set, set the 20 years ago, Mick Foley came off the top of a cell. It's replayed once a week on WWE TV for 20 years. Yeah. Nobody did it again for 17 years. And now Shane McMahon has done it twice, like in the last two, two or three years. And so now the expectation is that somebody has to come off the top of the cell <laughs> and anything else is a letdown because of stupid Shane McMahon. Yeah. I, uh, I think that's, I mean, you, if you ever listen to any interviews with edge or Christian or the Hardys or the Dudleys, they always talk about how like harrowing those last couple TLCs they did were because everything that had come before it, they had to think of a new stupider, crazier, more breathtaking stunt show to put on than the last one. And yeah, that's, that's like minimum you need to have one guy. And if the guy's not going to jump off the top like Shane, then you got to have two guys jump backwards off the side of it to make up for the fact that there's, you know, there's not a guy taking a really dangerous bump off the top, even though Owens took a pretty insane one uh, on a cage match like two months ago that nobody will ever remember. Um, yeah, no, I think that's, escalation to the point where now yes if you're going to do a hell in a cell pay-per-view one person has to jump off of it or fall off of it and fall through the table it doesn't matter it doesn't matter who you are it doesn't matter if it makes sense for the story that you're trying to tell you got to do it because that's what hell in the cell matches are they managed to kill two stipulations in that main event too which is pretty pretty amazing they killed money in the bank <laughs> yeah Braun no longer has his briefcase. Why did they give it to him in the first place? And and they killed the cell. Like, <laughs> I I honestly I don't I'm not saying it's good logic, but I see their logic with giving the briefcase to Braun because very clearly they decided we don't want anybody to cash in this year, and Braun is bulletproof, so we can have him cash in and not win, and it not really hurt his trajectory. Because he's already a top guy in a main eventer. Ugh. Why? The the great thing about Money in the Bank, as we talked about like a year and a half ago on our Money in the Bank show, was that it forced them to create a new main event star every year. Yes. <laughs> and now you've just explained to me, correctly I believe, that they did not want to create a star this year. <laughs> no, they're good. They're good with what they have. They have so much star power that they're like, you know what? I can't, I can't take another one. Can't have another star on this show. Can't have one more guy that's over to a top level. Can't, can't afford that. And who's wrestling at the Super Showdown and in Saudi Arabia again? Brock Lesnar, Shawn Michaels, Kane, The Undertaker, and Triple H. Yes, in the top, in what will be the top two promoted matches. Oh my lord. Like I know none of this matters. They have a billion dollars, or they will have a billion dollars very soon. But what? That doesn't exempt them from criticism in the same way that you can still criticize Suicide Squad, even though that made $800 million. Like, that was still a really bad movie. And you can, so I don't, I, I understand what you're saying, that it, in the end, nothing necessarily will change. But I don't think that means that viewers of the company or fans of the company need to just give up. I think it's absolutely still fair and right to criticize them when they do silly things like this. That's fair. 
I thought Hel- I thought the Hell in a Cell undercard was quite good. Did you enjoy the rest of the show? Yeah, I thought uh, Randy Orton and Jeff Hardy managed to have a really gross but uh, memorable Hell in a Cell match. Um, a, f- a feud that began with a sponge bath. Yes, the sponge bath feud that uh, ended in Hell in a Cell, or maybe I'm didn't end. Oddly sensual. Yes, agreed. But uh, and then Randy started taking off Jeff be- Jeff's belt in the match. Uh, you can write your own slash fix for that. But uh, yeah, I thought that was really memorable and violent, and as violent as you're going to get in a you know a PG WWE environment. And I thought the tag match was was really good and. I liked uh, I liked Alexa and Ronda. I thought it could have been a little shorter. We kind of discussed this on Twitter. You thought I think you maybe enjoyed it a little bit more than me. Yeah, I thought Ronda. Um, to your point, your point on Twitter was uh, Ronda sold too much, right? A little bit. Just I thought the crowd was into it at the start, and then when Alexa started putting on holds, they kind of died a little bit, and then. Once, uh, once they got to come, and I understand that's part of getting the heat is you know controlling the crowd so that they're, you know, ready to cheer again when the babyface makes the comeback. But I thought it could. I just thought it could have been a little shorter. I mean, I think there's, there's probably some kind of middle ground between your point where people kind of want Ronda to be Bill Goldberg or to be you know Ronda Rousey, yeah, and that's and that's just steamrolling people, and that you know. Having herself for five foot one Alexa Bliss, um, for a prolonged period of time, <laughs> Alexa Bliss, the smaller heel who never cheats, yes, um, wins with pro- punches. Yeah, <laughs> she punched. Oh gosh, oh, that's about a year ago now. Uh, but <laughs> happy anniversary. Thanks. There's there's something yeah there's something to, yeah there's probably some happy middle ground there. Uh, I thought Ronda was so good at selling, but the people got into it. Um, and she's astonishingly good at pro wrestling for as you know short a yeah. period of time as, as she's been in the business. Yeah, I will say I think there's a good point there with who was doing getting the heat because Ronda sold a whole bunch in that Nia Jax match, and it was one probably the best match Nia Jax has ever had, and two uh, really entertaining match. So it may just be yes, watching Alexa Bliss get heat on Ronda Rousey. That was my uh, disconnect with the match, but I still thought it was an enjoyable experience. I will say I did not, in, I did not think that Becky and Charlotte had a very good match. Interesting. I thought that was very sloppy and I thought they botched things that I've never seen either of them botch before. And although then again, I saw Charlotte botch putting the figure four on, on the uh, mix back challenge this week. So, um, I, I don't know. I just I was not impressed with this match, and the finish was awkward and clunky. But it did catch everybody by surprise, I suppose. <laughs> well, except you, who, who called this yes. thing. Uh, yes, I did. I am uh, psychic. Well, there's a couple of different tangents we could go off on here. One is the mixed match challenge, and Alexa Bliss kind of uh, reminded me of, of that point. And the other is the Becky stuff. Which one do you want to get into first? Uh, let's start with the Becky stuff. All right. Becky Lynch is supposed to be a heel. Correct. And I won't hear otherwise. I don't know how anyone... I know you and Brian Alvarez had a discussion about it this week on Twitter, but uh, 
I don't know how anyone could watch that TV and think she's not supposed to be a heel. If you're close-minded and you've come to this with the point of view that it's stupid that she's a heel and then try to work your way backwards from that to justify, <laughs> you know, your point. But I, I think the thing that, that just go read my Twitter timeline, everybody. Uh, Brian and I got into an argument on Twitter about this, <laughs> which Correct. is just ridiculous. And we, do you, we think, do you think he knows you write for his site, by the way? Chance in hell. He has no, <laughs> I, he has no idea who I am. He did call me by name, which made me think maybe there's some like, you know, loose connection of the dots there, but I, I highly doubt it. Um, um, okay, yeah. So if you want to start from the, the point of view and work your way backwards that she shouldn't be a heel, we all agree that she shouldn't right. be a heel. Correct. That's a given. You cannot say that she's been positioned as a babyface in the storyline. She had wore a disguise and attacked Charlotte last week while she was taking selfies with a child. Very Correct. clearly, very clearly, Charlotte was supposed to be the baby face in that angle. Becky, Listen to the announcers while she, while Becky's on TV. That's your your biggest tell ever. Right. If you're having any doubts about what a character's supposed to be, I didn't think baby faces refused handshakes from other baby faces. Well, Steve Austin did, Ethan. Isn't that the 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 comeback to that? Look, I'm all for Becky being a Steve Austin babyface. I think that's what she is right now. <laughs> I they don't mean, know it yet, but I think you're right. Right. That's exactly what she is. And that, that I think in her mind, that's what she's playing. Mm -hmm. I, I think she totally gets it. The people putting the show together are still trying to do this heel thing. <laughs> They're clearly trying to make her a heel. And if you have any doubt that she is a 2018 WWE heel, she beat up a baby face in a fair fight at the end of SmackDown this week. And that's when you know she's a heel. Yeah. Because you got to get heat. You got to get that heat, man. Even though people were cheering her quite wildly. <laughs> Tell you what. Uh, I don't think anything brought me as much joy this week as Becky Lynch saying bitch on SmackDown. <laughs> I, I the timing was pretty perfect, I have to say. I rewound it and watched it twice. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty tremendous. It was a uh, she. She's real good. She's real good at whatever this role is. Well, she's good in the sense that she's entertaining. I guess if her job is to get booed, she's bad at it. But <laughs> I, I, I think she's kind of a little bit going into business for herself. Probably, and I mean they've so convinced themselves. John Cena has ruined this business. <laughs> because they've now convinced themselves that it doesn't matter what the crowd does as long as, you know, with the story they're telling doesn't need the crowd's participation anymore. So they so they so they they can still make her act like a heel and she can do little subtle things that make it very clear that she's not really one. But, you know, as long as as long as the old man still thinks she's a heel, that's really all that matters. You know, if we're going to do this, can we just like put the show on a 10 minute delay and then just sweeten the sweeten the crowd noise and pipe in cheers for Roman and everybody so that our brains don't break? <laughs> I, I'm honest. I'm vaguely surprised they haven't thought of doing that or I don't know, some kind of 
just taping more often, like doing these live shows is is bad for business or something. Or I don't know, just move to a soundstage and hire five hundred people to come in and and cheer whoever you want. You know, put up applause signs when the right person comes out. I mean, we we might be moving in that direction, but um, mixed match challenge. You watched the show this week and enjoyed it. Yeah, I thought it was really fun. Uh, as you mentioned uh, by Alexa, she's not in it due to some sort of injury sustained by, uh, I guess, in the Ronda match. You think and... that's real? You think that's real, or is that storyline? Uh, I mean, they weren't playing up the seriousness of it. They very clearly said Alexa will be back in the second round or whenever Braun's team has to wrestle again. So I would guess it's. I mean, it could just be a minor thing. They are. I think they took her off house shows for this weekend, though. So hmm. it's possible that she's... I mean, I don't know. They, they seem so fickle when it comes to people selling injuries or suspensions or whatever on, uh, on house shows and stuff. So it, it kind of seems to depend on the, on, the, on the case. So, I mean, maybe she's just banged up and needs, you know, a couple weeks off. And it just happened that... You know, it was this week, but I I thought it was probably real. I don't know. I didn't get a sense that there would be any strong reason to keep her off TV. It's not like they were really selling the devastation of uh, Ronda's arm bar or anything. Like she was on Raw Monday. It's not like her arm was in a cast or something. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, so Braun and Ember Moon, which were also a pretty fun team wrestled Owens and uh, Natalia, and I was so proud of Kevin Owens for not taking that backflip bump for Braun's shoulder tackle on this Facebook show that 40,000 people are watching. He cut him <laughs> off and hit a super kick instead. I was like, I am so proud of you for not taking that bump again. <laughs> uh, and then the, the most fun match was definitely uh, Jimmy Uso and Naomi against uh, AJ Styles and Charlotte. Uh, terribly disappointed that AJ didn't bust out his Ric Flair robe from his TNA days. For this, uh, maybe oh for boy. the finale, but yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, they had a really fun match, and they did stuff like Charlotte put Jimmy in the figure four, and uh, AJ sold the she calls it the rear view from Naomi, as well as took a Hurricane Rana from Naomi. Charlotte did a dive onto Jimmy and uh, Naomi, like it was it was pretty wild, and it was really entertaining. Like it was like a lot of it was like house show comedy level spots, but. The crowd ate up all of it, and it was it was still a really fun match. So, I I enjoy the mixed match challenge, and I think you have an idea for mixed tag belts. Is that right? That's correct. So there's really like I don't know two or three points that come come to mind based on this mixed match challenge stuff. First of all, there should be mixed tag belts, and they should be on Raw, and they should pull whoever they need to from the Monday Night SmackDown house shows, which are sparsely attended anyway. And go ahead and do the mixed tag division on Raw. There's like 13 segments on Raw. Can we at least have like two of those be fun every week? <laughs> I, don't know, having, I think you're asking a lot. Instead of having a long Baron Corbin promo to open the show, followed by a Baron Corbin main event, can we get like two fun segments? <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and I feel like the mixed tag belts would be a way to do that. It gives you, you know, if you're there's people on the car that you're really not doing anything with like Naomi and Asuka on SmackDown and Bailey and Sasha on Raw, and you give them partners, and then, you know, like, that would be so much fun. Like, all yeah. these matches are fun. And yet, as you mentioned, they're kind of house show comedy matches 
um, sometimes, but that's okay. <laughs> yeah. It's unique in what you are generally seeing on WWE television. So, yeah, it's, I'm, I'm all for that idea. And as you mentioned, there's so many people that just gives me, like, Ty Dillinger can't team with somebody and, and go, you know, wrestle for the mixed tag belt. Something. It's just something for some people to do. Sure. Naomi, God bless her soul, is a very good athlete. She does some cool spots. I think it's a struggle to put together a long singles match with Naomi sometimes. I think, and, and right now you have Alexa Bliss, who I just skimmed the Observer. Apparently it is a legit uh, arm injury. She has numbness in her arm. That's not good. Woof. It's really not good. But um, So, and Alexa, we... we Discussed a million times on the show the problems with her being a five a five foot heel that, that never cheats and gets heat on everybody, and really I think the best use for both of them, both Naomi and Alexa Bliss, would be to use them as managers, kind of like the Hardy Boys uh, did with Lita twenty years ago. Sure, where she would jump in and do the two or three spots that she did that looked good. And you don't have to have like a long singles match with them. Like I think Naomi and Alexa should be should be managing a tag team, or should be managing tag teams. Naomi, you got the built-in thing there. She's married to uh, Jimmy Uso. Yeah, she should manage the Usos and jump in and do. She calls it the rear view. I mean, <sighs> good luck. <laughs> you know, can we can we re- can we rename that move, please? Like, what do you want call it the hip attack, like Asuka calls it. Yeah, you got a tag team where they do the same move. Does anyone yeah. notice? Does anyone notice that? You think? Uh, probably not. Are they gonna <laughs> do like uh, you know, like the Golden Lovers do the double knee? Is that their finish? The double ass? I don't, I don't know. But anyway, I think that would be a better use of Naomi and Alexa Bliss. But that's well, if you remember Alexa Bliss. Like her star making time in NXT was as the manager of the uh, boringly named Blake and Murphy. <laughs> yes. Who, who in another era would have been a security guard, uh, <laughs> a tandem uh, yep. in any Vince Russo promotion in the country. Correct. Uh, but yeah, like she was, she was a tremendous uh, heel manager that led to, I think the first Brooklyn show, it's the first Brooklyn show where the Bob villains brought out blue pants Yes, and and they they had like that was great. So yeah, she's she's definitely she's a, obviously a very good talker and should yeah she should be a manager, especially if she is like twenty five years old and is feeling numbness in her uh, arms. That's terrifying. Yep. yep, that's no good. Um, Ray Mysterio signed. Oh yeah, he's coming in at some point. Who knows when? Um. Let's see what else we got. Let's is that pretty much covered WWE? Uh, I think so. We got yeah, we got the they're promoting three shows at once. And yes. uh yeah, Ray I don't know. I say Ray's probably coming out on the thousandth SmackDown, which is in like three or four weeks. Yeah, that makes sense. Um Jeff Cobb won Bola, which is like, you know, the big indie tournament. Um I think that kind of says a lot about the state of the Indies right now. (laughs) (laughs) 
it's uh it's looking a little scarce since uh you know Matt Riddle got snatched up and Keith Lee and you know a lot of those guys are going exclusive to you know somewhere not, but uh yeah the the non New Japan ROH indies and or you know non WWE events are they're looking a little uh a little lighter uh up top these days yeah so Jeff Cobb's fine, but Jeff Cobb is also like 36 years old. So, like, I feel like we've already passed. <laughs> we've already passed the peak with Jeff Cobb. Well, you know, four or five more years, maybe you can go to NXT. That's true. Learn how to work the hard cam. Yeah, and in uh, in 20 years, he'll be headlining a show in Saudi Arabia. <laughs> That's the dream. Uh, New Japan. They had uh, two shows this past weekend. Uh, Kenny Omega beat Ishii to retain the IWGP title in a match that was nowhere near as good as their G1 match this summer. And uh, Naito beat Suzuki, and Taichi won the never open weight title. I don't know why that's a title. <laughs> actually, you know, it's open weight. It would make sense if they actually had uh, junior heavyweights wrestle heavyweights for it. And so then you can get matches like Osprey and Ibushi and. Yeah, you that would make sense. All kinds of dream matchups, but instead they just have like lower mid card heavyweights go for it. Yeah, that's 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 a that's a really good point. That seems so obvious to me, especially when I mean it seems like the junior heavyweights only ever really have you know it's the title feud, and then everybody else will be in like you know ten man tags lower on the card. So speaking of you know giving stuff for. Uh, you know, giving some people stuff to do. Yeah, why? Why aren't we seeing that more often? That that makes total sense to me. Yeah. And so coming up this weekend, it's Tanahashi against Okada with the uh, Wrestle Kingdom briefcase on the line and luck of a draw. I will be covering that for F4W, and then on Monday I start writing for SE Scoops. How about so that? Lots of good stuff coming up this weekend, and I quit my. Uh, office job so now i am a full-time writer slash podcaster slash uh uh, mascot what was that last one mascot i'm uh i'm interviewing uh to be a mascot next week oh well there you go um a lot of exciting things happening in (laughs) in the world of twl very uh very questionable life choices being made all around (laughs) um who should who should quit this week? Uh, well, as always, Finn Balor, who I don't even think was on Raw, uh, he should he should quit. Um, Kev- Kevin Owens, up. Kevin Owens, obviously. Uh, Chad Gable, even though they're doing something with him on TV, uh, you know it's not going to last. Like eventually, the best case scenario is that like they keep him and Bob Roode as a team, and they get like a three month tag title reign before they break him up. But Bob Roode looks like Triple H, so you know who's going to win that feud. And <laughs> then Chad Gable will be back to you know wrestling Mike Kanellis on main event. So Chad Gable should probably quit. What happened to Mojo? I'm not complaining. I hate Mojo, but what happened to Mojo? <laughs> they built him up for the purpose of having Bob Roode beat him on television. <laughs> they so built mean- him up for like a month and a half. They put Bob Roode, who was on a losing streak in his path, and everyone assumed, well, this will be Mojo's like ascension to the like to like a solid mid card spot. 
Instead, Bob Roode just beat him clean. And then they did a rematch in like a tag team match the following week, and Bob beat him again. Well, Speaking of Bob's, Leo Rush is a manager too. So apparently all the 205 guys are just going to we're, – we're just manager happy all of a sudden I after mean, 15 years of no, of no managers. It's a waste of an incredible worker to have Leo Rush be a manager. At the same time, no one watches 205 Live anyway, which is not going to be on Wednesdays, by the way. Uh, <laughs> no one watches and it. And not live. Correct. But no one watches it, so like, I'm fine with it. Yeah, and as he's an entertaining talker, and they let him do some cool flips as he was running away from the large men uh, this this past Monday. So, yeah, there's that. It's something. Um, I just like the idea that which we just didn't have managers for like 15 years in WWE, and now we have like 10. I'm not complaining. I think you know. I think that's good, and that's a way to accentuate positives and, and high weaknesses, as we often talk about. Bob Lashley, not a strong talker. Uh, great that he has a mouthpiece now. Um, we'll see, because generally I feel like managers just might be a new toy Vince, uh, or an old toy Vince pulled out of his his, <laughs> his box, his, his shed, and uh, you know he'll get sick of it again soon. His shed? I don't know. He, <laughs> he has a shed of toys, I guess. Sure. Well, there's, you know, before we get out of here, you've sent me down a rabbit a rabbit trail now of uh, managers led me to thinking of Maria Canellas, which led me to thinking of Maria Canellas and Matt Hardy uh, acting out on social media this week. I think Maria is trying to get Mike and Maria fired uh, on Twitter and Instagram, and mm. I can't I can't tell if Matt Hardy's actually retired or not. Oh yeah, I, 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 my instinct is that this is one of those dumb Matt Hardy things <laughs> that he does sometimes. <laughs> it's not the dumbest Matt Hardy thing. Oh no, but it's one of those dumb Matt Hardy things. I mean, if you were to tell me that he's like done as a full time guy, I I would believe you. But like, there's no chance that we don't. You know, the Hardys aren't wrestling the Rock and Roll Express on the Indies twenty years from now. <laughs> Oh yeah, they're not not done. There's not zero done. chance of that. And I know there was I guess somebody said they wanted him to be an agent and so he was like posting like he posted a picture of himself in a suit that said like Agent Hardy reporting for duty and I was like screw you dude. He was he was working as an agent though like at SummerSlam. Okay. That, well, fair enough. So was Jason Jordan though, which by the way Jason Jordan might be done. Ugh. Yeah. That's that's a bummer, um, and I, I guess Christian was uh, backstage working or auditioning as a as one, and I know he's also been doing some coaching at the performance center. So I guess now it's we're moving. We're seem to be stuck. Like nobody pat that worked past like two thousand, whose prime was past like two thousand five, seems to be able to uh, get an agenting job besides T.J. Wilson right now. But yeah. uh, maybe one day. <laughs> Maybe yeah. one day we'll stop letting Arn Anderson book, try to book ROH matches. They got a weird collection of agents right now, like Anna Pierce, yeah. who, ne- who never worked there. I mean, I think he did like job matches, but he never worked there. They got uh, Sarah Del Rey, who never worked there. Yeah. <laughs> they got Jamie Noble, uh, Kidman. Yeah, it's quite a collection of quite a motley crew. All right. Anything else? 
No, I think uh, unless you want to delve into the MGK Eminem rap feud, I think uh, I think we're done. I'm really excited about that. But otherwise, no, I think we're done with wrestling talk this week. Are you are you actually excited about that? Kinda. The songs have been good. All right. Till next time, I'm Ethan. And I'm Liam. And I feel a little bit attacked. <laughs> we'll be back very soon with more stories from the wrestling life. Goodbye. Thanks for listening to The Wrestling Life, a part of the Elite Podcast Network at obpapparel.com. For other podcasts like this, head to obpapparel.com. The Wrestling Life is brought to you by OBP Apparel. For Baltimore's best local sports gear, head to obpapparel.com. Whether it's baseball or football season, we've got you covered with Baltimore's best local sports gear. That's obpapparel.com. Thanks for listening to The Wrestling Life, a part of the Elite Podcast Network at obpapparel.com. Be sure to go and subscribe to us on iTunes. Just search for The Wrestling Life on the iTunes store. Make sure you leave a review and tell us how we're doing. Also, be sure to follow the guys on Twitter at TWL underscore podcast for live tweets during wrestling events and other hilarity throughout the week. That's at TWL underscore podcast. Now back to the guys. bonus content i just read an article about this like i am not really into rap music so sure it's kind of over my head but uh it's it's two white rappers uh who are both i mean exceedingly irrelevant i mean that that kind of minimizes eminem's um place in pop culture i feel like he was definitely a thing you know 20 years ago oh absolutely and machine gun kelly was never a thing that's kind of fair, yeah. But, I mean, is this completely manufactured? I wouldn't be surprised, just because the the diss that Eminem did on his new album at first was a response to something uh, Machine Gun Kelly said in, like, 2012. Yes. So the idea that he would just suddenly expose that. And, uh, like, the song that... MGK did in response, like broke a bunch of like world star YouTube view records. And then Eminem's response to his response broke like every YouTube rap view record. So it's like, well, it's certainly conveniently beneficial. And it, it feels very pro wrestling to me. Maybe that's why I'm enjoying it. <laughs> and we know that Machine Gun Kelly is a worker. He, yes, that's true. Not a superstar, as uh, <laughs> someone once said on Raw. When Kevin Owens power bombed him off the stage, but uh, correct, he is a uh, he's he's definitely a worker, and he's and yeah, it's like it's, isn't that well? It's like nobody's gonna get shot probably, so that's right. so now it's like it's a safe rap beef, but it is it is entertaining, and the songs are good, so that's that's what I've enjoyed. <laughs>